Welcome to this week's edition of Debriefing the Law. I am Joel Ostert. I'm Chris Marone. Chris, let's start right out of the gate by paying our bills. I want to give a shout oh, yeah. out to Sport Clips. Chris, I don't know where you get your hair cut. It probably is some high-end place just from, from the looks of it. <laughs> I get my hair cut none other, nowhere else other than Sport Clips. Why? I like the MVP treatment. Have you ever gotten the MVP treatment when you go get your I, hair cut? I, I have not. Is, this is a thing. It, it is a thing out here in the Midwest, and I assume elsewhere as well, because Sport Clips no. now is, is everywhere. You get your hair cut. Then they go do a whole washout thing. They give you a hot face towel on your face. Ooh. They give you a massage as well. It is an amazing experience. Not that expensive either, and uh, it is a great place to be. I will just do want to give one little cautionary uh, t- uh, suggestion here. Be aware of the ask, because before you leave, the person who cuts your hair will do the ask, which is, do you want to buy one of their hair products? I, I, I one time was there, and the lady told me, hey, Joel, uh, the my, my boss is here. I am in training, and so they are watching me. I have to ask you if you'll buy this product. Don't worry about it. It's just I'll get knocked down a point yeah, if I don't true. do the ask so just be aware the ask will happen you can just simply okay. say no no offense there they're just doing their job but sport clips is a great place to get your haircut and then also it's cle season and we yes. here at comedian of law and we'd like to do cle's that educate and entertain we call that infotainment uh, education or <laughs> inf- i don't know whatever uh intercation there you go intercation we get a copyright or trademark on one of those words. Yeah. So we like to do these fun CLEs that are interesting and will not mm-hmm. put you to sleep. We have a couple of great ones that are coming up, but I want to focus here on this podcast on our Supreme Court review. Because, Chris, I am still yes. working out the details of this. This is going to be, I believe, June 26th, near the end of the reporting period of the Supreme Court season. Because they're yep. during June, they're going to be issuing all their decisions here to finish up yes, their term. Are. And so at the end of June, it's a great time to just, hey, let's all sit down and just figure out what happened, what took place at the Supreme <laughs> Court over the last year. Are, are you good for that one, Chris? I am good for that one. I, right. I'm looking forward to it, actually. It's going to be an interesting season. I'm actually thinking. I, I, I have not worked out the details of this. I am doing this class on June 26th for the Supreme mm-hmm. Court CLE review. I am thinking about doing it as a live CLE Ooh. event as well. Um, you know, one where we just also make it available for non-lawyers. Maybe on Twitter. Did you hear what happened this last week with Ron DeSantis when he announced his presidency on the Twitter? All the, oh, it just went bad. It just went, it just went bad. That being said, I don't think we're going to have the same volume that no. Ron DeSanctimonious had when he made his presidential <laughs> announcement. So if we right. use Twitter for RCLE purposes, it probably won't crash the system. No. But wow, that'd be also, nice. Also, you don't have that end. many enemies out there, Joel, that would tank your Twitter announcement. I tell you. All right. Well, uh, lastly here, before we get dive into all the craziness in the law from this last week, uh, I do want to ask our listeners, if you like this podcast, if you like these stories, Mm -hmm. if you like Chris and I, please do two things. One, give us a five-star review. Don't just say in your head, I'm going to do that actually do it right now pause the podcast and just go give us a five-star yes. review Love it. if you don't Hit do it. it now you will forget about it also share this podcast on your social media sites yeah. i know when i listen to a great podcast i don't share it why i do i not share it i don't know i just always forget when i get done with the podcast i am just done and i move on to the next podcast well since we are trying to grow this this uh, podcast again please give us a like and a share so other people can hear about us all right, Chris, I love it. the bills have been paid. And so now let's love dig it. in to a, there, there were a lot of crazy, wacky stories out there in the legal world over this last week. And none yes. of them involve Trump, DeSantis, Pence, or Disney. Okay, wow. I guess, actually, I guess they were in the uh, in the news a little bit this I last week. I mean, they week. were in the news, but not, not legally, not for they legal were, reasons. They weren't part of one of the stories I was planning on sharing, yeah. but maybe we want to just dive in, I guess, and talk a little bit about how now Mike Pence is going to enter the presidential race. Right. And so I think it's fair for us to actually have a discussion. What's going to be his nickname? 
Have, have you given any that any thoughts? Because you know Trump is going to give yes. him a nickname, and, and so right. I I don't know. Yeah, let me give you some of the thoughts that I've had and see what you think about them. All right, Mike, not worth a penny for his thoughts, Pence. Mm, that's a oh. long one. I'm, I'm right. a little down on that one because I don't think Trump can string together that many words. Okay, so right because it was like it was like little Marco Rubio, right? That's right, little okay. Marco. Okay. So it, it's got to be like worth worth pence, worthless, worthless pence, something like that. Not worth a pence. There you go. Okay. Not worth a pence, right? <laughs> right. That's how, good. How about senseless? Ooh, I don't. But I I don't know if you can saddle pence with being slick. All right. Like I was thinking about his hairstyle. I don't think a single part of his hair has ever been out oh, of no. place. Oh, it is bulletproof. Yeah. Absolutely bull. It will stop like traffic. The people at Sport Clips are like making bank on him on oh, his yeah. hair product. On his products. <laughs> They're <laughs> selling hundreds of dollars worth of products for Mike Pence per day. All right. Again, we're talking about nicknames that Trump is likely going to give him when he announces. Uh, what about Mikhail? I mean, his name is Mike Pence. Does he want to call him a communist and call him Mikhail Ooh. Pence? I don't know if he's... That might not go over well with a lot of the Trump supporters because they won't get the reference. Ah. Uh. <laughs> That's kind of me. Uh, but 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 fair, right? But how about fair. this? How about this? But speaking of not getting the reference, the fifty-year-old virgin. Ooh, <laughs> mother would not like that. Okay, mother would not. Now he is oh married. My, I assume he is, has this kids, so this would, this would not be true. But you know, Chris, he, Chrissy Pence, maybe. Um. All right. How about I mean, this he likes one? to grab people by the the something Pence. <laughs> The, how about the, the traitor? Ooh, yes. Now, I'm not right. calling him a traitor. I am just suggesting right. if, if Trump... Ooh. Trump is going to come up with a nickname. We're just trying liberal to guess. Mike. Little Mike. <laughs> Little Mike. Liberal Mike. All right. I like that. All right. Any other thoughts you have? Because um, uh, the gosh. more we throw out there, if we happen to get one right, right, then we can sing our praises for the next year. Yeah, that I'm as smart as Donald Trump. Awesome. That is exactly what I'm going to put on my next resume title. <laughs> All right. Well, on that, moving on now to our actual crazy legal stories from this past mm -hmm. week. Uh, Chris, I assume that you have been, you spent some time in academia uh, there at Arizona State yeah. University. Have yep. you ever used or heard of Chat GPT? We actually use uh, Chat GPT a lot in a in a lot of different ways. Um, in my job in career services here at ASU Law. Um, we help small firms develop um, um, posts or ads, uh, hiring positions for our law students. And we just tell them because most small firms, two, three, four, five lawyers, don't have the time to go through and like edit an ad go. We tell them to pump in their, their work, their website, what they're looking for into ChatGPT and tell ChatGPT to put out a 200 to 500 word job posting and it just knocks them out super quick. Really? And it works really yeah, it it works really well to create job postings for small firms. So you've used it. Yeah, we also have some students um start the framework of their cover letters by using ChatGPT, plugging in what the job posting is from a firm, plugging in their resume, um their thoughts, their desires, what they think they're strong about, have ChatGPT build out the skeleton of their cover letter and then they start filling in and making changes and all sorts of stuff just as a way to get off the ground so they don't have that writer's block or also because they're applying to like 30 different places and they have to write 30 different cover letters like it can help them get going. Okay, so since some of our listeners are from an older generation, let's just say are my unaware generation. unaware what ChatGPT is. And, and we have, how would you explain in, in I don't want to say layman's terms, but in mm -hmm. old old layman's terms, right. how, do, how would I go use ChatGPT? So there's a website or okay. an app for your phone. Um, the website is openai.something.com. And... Essentially, what ChatGPT is, is artificial intelligence. It scours the internet. It compounds all sorts of different databases that you feed into it or have access to, depending on what uh, AI program you're using. And then you tell it what you want it to write. And it essentially scours the internet and all the databases and comes back with something that meets the criteria that you have set out for it. Now, well, it's not always accurate because we can't believe everything on the internet. 
Yeah, but yeah, uh, or so honest Abe said. Or so, yep, or so Obi-Wan said. Um, so what you a responsible individual would not just put something into chat GPT and then call it a day. All right. right. You need to go through and cite it out, make sure it all works, make sure what it's what it's calling to and all that stuff works. But it's a great way to, you know, build like I've built PowerPoints out of chat GPT um, based on statistical uh, things that I'm working on because chat GPT will go find all the statistics out there for me. And then I just have to site check it and make sure it works. So it wow. saves a lot of time for me trying to go out and find all of these statistics and stuff like that. I'm going to try it this next week. Maybe oh, I love have it. it. I have it on my phone. Prepare some of my written materials. Maybe have it write some of my, my jokes yeah. for my, my standup routine. Um, Ooh, that could well, be fun. This lawyer and this New York lawyer used chat <laughs> GPT to prepare his legal briefs, and he got busted for it. And so this is, I, Chris, I think this is a fascinating case. I and love even, this. even before we go down this road, you and I had a discussion. This is a CLE that needs to happen, and it needs to happen sooner than yeah. later. So we'll be working on that as soon as we get done with this podcast. We've got to come up with a, a, a CLE because there is a lot of ethical issues involved with using chat to see GPT to write mm -hmm. your legal memo. So what happened here was the, the original case involved a man suing an airline over an alleged personal injury. And, and so his team uh, filed a brief that said, Hey, this case should go forward. And I guess I, I probably was in response to a motion to dismiss. Um, and so in this motion, basically this lawyer just directed chat GPT to research and yeah. write the brief. And so then what happened was the lawyer that did that turned it over to the lawyer who was going to be filing it. That lawyer didn't necessarily know what was going on. Just said, okay, you gave me this brief and then just submitted it to the court for filing. Chris, uh, you can probably see where this is going to go awry, but here's what happened. So many, so many issues. Apparently, Mr. Chat, I don't know if Chat's his first name, but that's a, if that's Chat's legal name, I don't know. But mm -hmm. Chat did not do his proper legal research, and so several of the cases that Chat cited were bogus, were made Didn't up. Exist. And, and yep. you might say, well, Joel, who would know that? How about the other side when they're trying to find these cases to distinguish them in their responsive pleading? And so the other side, so it'd be the lawyers for the airline company would research these cases yeah. and said, uh, these cases do not exist. They're not out there. So they alerted the course. Look, we found six cases in this brief that are just made up. And they right. allegedly have quotes right. from these cases just made up so let's all we all can agree that chat is going to get fired but the lawyer <laughs> who submitted the brief what should be uh his consequence for using chat gpt now i do want to just say one other thing before we engage in a discussion here because mm -hmm. i find this hilarious because the court yeah. was very concerned about this and so the court sent a, a an order to the lawyer who filed the brief that used chat yep. gpt and say hey explain yourself and so in explaining what happened, he actually attached as exhibit one, a text string, a conversation string that he had with his assistant, Chat GPT, as if chat were a real person. Oh no, look, see, here's the dialogue we had. And so this is what that dialogue dialogue looked like. It, it said, um, so these were, these were screenshots showing the, the apparent real conversation. And so the question was asked is, Varghese a real case read one message and to which the response from chat was uh yes it was like uh and so then uh the lawyer responded back by saying well what's your source and so then after some uh, some double checking chat responded back by saying uh my source is LexisNexis and Westlaw so he's actually having a real conversation with chat yep. and attaching yep. that as an exhibit to the court Chris, where do we go from here? Look, this is going to come off harsh. And I mean harsh. But my standard at this point is disbarment. Disbarment? Disbarment. I for said chat harsh. or for the lawyer? For the lawyer. Okay. Disbarment. <laughs> All right. Ch chat. Come on. Like, chat's <laughs> an, you know self-aware individual. I mean, that's the answer I gave when I was in a 1L. Is this case real? Yeah. Where'd you get it? Lexus. Like, Right, that's that's what you say when you're in trouble. Like, where did you find the where did you find this, Billy? 
In the house. Where in the house, Billy? It was in your bedroom. I'm sorry. Like that's like that's where it's at. Like I I literally one because I think that ChatGPT is going to do a lot of things to revolutionize how we practice law. I really do. I think AI and as we focus on on AI, there's going to be a lot of things that it's going to do. So understanding how AI works and if you're going to integrate it into your law practice, it has to be a high bar when you misuse it. And that's um, where our brilliant CLE is going to come in because I think yes. you're absolutely right. We've got to come up with some parameters on how to effectively use chat GPT. Right. Because it. look at this guy, right? According to the a couple of the articles that we found, like this guy's been practicing law for over 30 years. So let's say he's been practicing for just 30 years. Average age of a law school person is 25. So the guy's 55 years old and been practicing law. Um. So he knows how to do legal research, but he doesn't know how to use ChatGPT. And here's the other thing. You've written briefs. I've written briefs. When I first say the name of the case in a brief, Marone v. Oster, you know, 26 Cal 3rd, 845. Like, that's how you cite it in brief. Now, Chris, right? let me just throw in a, a little bit of a I'm play devil's advocate here. Because I yes, get what let's you're do saying. I, I see where you're going with this. But I assume this has happened to you. This has happened to me. I am writing a legal mm -hmm. brief. And so I have an mm -hmm. assistant, a, a, a lower-tiered person. Yes, Ooh. there are people at my firm who are might be considered lower tier than me, I guess. I don't know. And so I, I don't I, believe that. I pass it off to them and they right. write the brief. And it, it comes back mm -hmm. to me with uh, all of these citations in these briefs. Right. Some of them just kind of go crazy with their citations for this point, that point, and the other point. And yeah, the main citations, I'm going to read those cases, but I'm not reading all of these citations, especially if it stands for some, you know, common sense things like, you know, the standard for a motion to dismiss or, or those kind of, you right. know, citations. I'm not double checking that. He's. A, I'm just going to rely. I, well, I have relied on these other people's work. Is that but, so? Why should AI get any less deference? So I too have relied on other people's work in briefs that I I have handled. I also know that when I sign the brief and turn it in, it's all on me. True. So when I am training with the 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 team whether that's law students or legal assistants or paralegals until they've built my trust to the point that i know that they know what they're doing i do go through and check all of the citations because again it is chris marone's bar license on the line if, Good it's, point. If, if this situation comes up now don't get me wrong right like you do 1983 motions you can go in a lot of briefs for those at home there's usually a setup in a lot of briefs that go over the applicable law and we just copy and paste from other cases. Right. Like we know that we know that the introduction on a 1983 motion is going to sound like this and you have to quote to this case in this case to establish that you have the precedent and the standing to bring this motion. Do we copy and paste that every single time? Without hesitation. But once you get into the meat, like this guy, you know, th there there isn't there's a question about the meat, whether or not this case should go forward. He should have been on top of that. He should have looked at that and been like, Vesuvius, I've never heard of, I've been a plaintiff's lawyer for almost 30 years in personal injury, and I've never heard of the Vesuvius case. Is that a new case? Like, right. your, your personal injury, bro. Like, there's not yeah. a lot of, like, Supreme Court ruling down on what is and is not actionable under personal That's negligence, true. you know, intentional torts assault battery wrongful death all of that's pretty established law at this right. point we're not so let's just throw out, to the niche let's throw out there some some ethical rules that might be at play here you've already mentioned 3.3 oh uh, which is candor towards the tribunal uh, right. for you non-lawyers listening believe it or not but we lawyers will get in trouble if we are dishonest, if we lack a candor and truthfulness with the court, that is an ethical violation. I'm also thinking of potentially billing here. You know, yep. or, or how oh is he billing gosh, for yeah. this time? Is is AI, is that like legal research? So he's actually going to give a, some amount of time for that? Is, is there some fraudulent billing practices going on? At least I'm curious about that. I know in my right. assistant, the, the lower yeah, yeah, lower tiered <sighs> lawyers. Stop saying lawyer. <laughs> The, my my coworker exactly you know like these, it's mythical at a lower rate. That, these mythical people that exist somewhere in my firm <laughs> I'm, I'm billing for that time are you going right. to bill for a for chat's time ai time yeah no you can't I mean, 
do that. There's a ton of that stuff, right? What about like zealous representation, right? A lawyer must act in zeal in advocacy upon the client's behalf. Okay. Can ChatGPT be a zealous representative for this person? Right. What if what if ChatGPT comes back and goes that doesn't exist? Like your cause of action is dumb. Look, man, there's a lot of times a lot of lawyers' cause of actions are dumb. Right. right. But you got to be able to go zealously represent. Like, let's criminal defense. Right. You have a constitutional right to criminal defense, even if that defense is I don't know dumb. Right. right, ChatGPT comes back and says no. Let's throw in rule 1.1, which is competency. A lawyer has to be competent, not just with the legal things that you are dealing with, but also technology. In fact, many states actually require you to take technology classes. I am barred in Florida. I take technology classes every three years. Here, this person didn't even know. Yeah, you maybe could use Chad GPT, but you Mm -hmm. better review it because there's going to be a lot of mistakes. I mean, he he lacked a fundamental understanding on how this whole system works. And so that's going to cast some doubt as to his competency. You mentioned a good one earlier, confidentiality. Explain what you meant by that. So privilege, right? Lawyer, client, privilege is the highest privilege of the land. And I believe, um, I want to say that's Catholics might disagree. That's true. Catholics will totally disagree. It is 1.6. 1.6, right? Confidentiality and privilege. Chat GPT works on an engine that as you feed it more information, it it essentially learns. It's a learning mechanism. So as it as it as it can go out into the internet and and look at all of that, but as you feed it more information, it learns. Uh Chat GPT is not covered. It's open source. It's out in the internet. Anybody can use it. And it can use other information from other users that input information into Chat GPT to make it a smarter learning model. There now you you've just told ChatGPT all of the confidential things that your client has disclosed to you so that way you could write a brief. Now, that's open to whatever other computer that, that that network is connected to. Now, that's not the same as me giving confidential information to Joel because that's a, a, that's a, you know, a, uh, a straight line, but it's also like incredibly open for anyone who understands the, the open source that's um, the key right there. Of, some, of chat GPT. Yeah, that's the key right there. Does someone else know how to hack that information? And yes. we don't really know the answer to that, but I'm assuming it is highly possible. Someone else out there, probably from a younger generation than myself, would know how yes. to hack that information. Whenever I get into my account using my password, I tell my wife, look, I hacked into the system. That's the level of my hacking is when I just figure out, where, remember where my password is so I can get into the system. But some people have a little bit better under hacking skills than I do. If they can get right. to that information, you just violated rule 1.6. All right. Well, the court well, is going to be, you have another thought? Just one quick thing. The Judiciary, Senate Committee on Judiciary had oversight, had a, had a subcommittee hearing um, like two weeks ago on AI. And it's clear that nobody in the Senate understands how AI works. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely clear, like clear. These guys have no idea how AI works. And you had um, Samuel Altman, who is the CEO of open AI, which is chat GPT testifying okay. in front of the Senate, trying to explain to these people like how AI works and how, um, how it's a giant open source, everybody contributing it, and that's what makes it great, is that all the knowledge is being put into one place for people to use. And Altman encouraged the Senate to create an oversight committee because this is going to get out of control really quickly. There you go. Well, we will be following this case to see what kind of punishment is handed out. And, and hey, if you're a lawyer needing CLE hours, stay tuned because Chris and I will be working on a CLE on chat yes. gbt who knows maybe we can get chat actually to participate in this cle that's actually not a bad idea now it just rolled Ooh. off my tongue yeah. why not involve chat in writing the cle on right. chat gpt use that's that's Let's just so brilliant this. i have no idea why these brilliant thoughts even come out i have no idea i'm just gonna seeps out there all right. I love, I love this. Next in the world of crazy legal stories from this last week. Now, Chris, before we get there, I got to tell you, I hate it when you see people enforce rules that they have no business enforcing. Because as it now we as lawyers know this better than most, but law was meant for a good reason. But there's sometimes when you enforce that law for purely 
idiotic reasons. Let me give you an example, and you might have a better example you want to throw in there as well. But I was traveling with my 98-year-old grandmother. We were we were going to um, to Oregon, and she couldn't get through security. She's a 98-year-old grandmother. Well, uh, they they made her go through again. It gets she cannot get through. <laughs> cannot do it. Finally, they had to strip search my 98-year-old grandmother. Now, Chris, I understand the rule requiring them to strip search my 98-year-old grandmother. But tell me this, Chris, when in the history of the world has there ever been a 98-year-old grandmother terrorist? The answer is never. Not no. It has not nope. happened. Not even this a little bit. might be an example. When you know what? Maybe there's another way to get around this your, your concerns rather than strip searching my 98-year-old grandmother. Another you thought. never know, man. Granny... <laughs> I, Granny got ran over by a reindeer. Like, we can make this happen. Speaking of that, when in the history of this world has there ever been a female terrorist at the airport? It just, that is not a thing. But you know what? No. Nope. I'm here. Who am I to second guess the ways in which we do security? Let's just go ahead and make sure my 98 year old grandmother was a strip search. All right. That being said, right. let me just throw it in there. Also, when I got a speeding ticket going 75 into 65 a mile per hour zone, that also was idiotic, but for a whole nother reason, I don't know. What a whole lot of reasons. That. Right. So with that being said, there was a very interesting case come out. I say case very loosely uh, out of a <laughs> college baseball game. And, and right. in this baseball game, East Carolina was playing, I believe in the AAC tournament and they were the yep. number one seed. And they were up two runs in the top of the first inning, and they quickly found, or they gave up two runs in the top of the first inning, quickly found right. themselves in a hole. And so up to bat comes the second baseman, Jacob Starling. Now he stepped up in the box, and then he unloaded on an 0-2 pitch and hit a home run. Okay, Nailed so it. You get too. the idea. A lot of excitement going on. You were down. Now you mm -hmm. closed the gap. You, you hit this mm -hmm. home run. Well, as the um, uh, as they, they cross home plate and go into the dugout, one of the other players, the teammate who was their actually their star pitcher, Josh Grows, goes out there and in celebrating this home run, hands him a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. <laughs> All right, you see where I'm going with this? Yeah, he, he I totally wants do. A, hands him a peanut butter and jelly sandwich in celebration. Yeah. Now, right. I don't get that celebration. Do you? Is that like code for something that I'm missing? You know, a lot of schools have weird celebrations, right? Um, and this goes with it. The NCAA banned tortillas from NCAA football games because uh, University of Texas at El Paso, UTEP, if you scored on them, the crowd would throw tortillas onto the field as, you know, or like the idea of vendor throwing. Sales. I get it. Right, of course. So now you can't bring tortillas into a NCAA football game. Wow. But it's like the NCAA, well, just they just do this. They just they're fun hating. They passed right. I believe it was they passed a rule was it a year ago or two years ago or maybe three years ago that college sports you're not allowed to use props at all. Okay, and I, at I all get, in celebrations. I guess, I guess I get that rule in some sense. Maybe you've seen where it's kind of gone crazy and overboard. Well, I'm not bringing like a bounce house out to the first baseline after I hit a home run or something like that. Right, but like, but I'm again, handing you a peanut butter and jelly sandwich in celebration. Right. Is that really a problem? I mean, I don't, I, I, was I don't to understand. this umpire? It was to this guy. All right. So do you whoever, think he should be the punished? Umpire was no. Okay. No, I don't think he should be punished. The Look, actual... if he would have brought out like a giant bat or maybe like a, I don't know, something obscene, like a blow up doll or something like that, yes, you should be punished. But this, if, if he slaps your hand with some, you know, the, the pitcher comes out and he gives you a high five and all of a sudden you have this pitching oil all over your hand, like, mm, let's, let's have this discussion. But dude, it was a sandwich, man. It's a sandwich. All right. So the actual. Even if he got him a beer, right? What if he like shotgunned a beer? Yes, I would say that that's inappropriate. Okay, I get that. All right, but so like a sandwich? Ready, are you ready for the actual outcome of this, this case? Okay. Hit me. This pitcher who handed the batter a, a, a peanut butter and jelly sandwich, uh, which by the way, I love peanut butter and jelly, was ejected from the game. 
No, that's not enough. He, they then also banned him from his next game, which he was planning on starting the next game. He was the star pitcher. So he basically was ejected from two games, all for handing another player a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. And yeah, this is why lawyers get a bad name. I know these are not lawyers, but still, Ooh. you're enforcing a law that is it's just absurd in the way that you enforce it. So Chris, am I crazy on this one or am I onto something? Oh, you're onto something because now here's my thought. What economic damages does this kid have from this asinine rule? Right? If we're in the right, well, I mean, he's out two games, right? Because he was tossed out of that one and he's out the next one. Does he lose out on draft positioning? Does he lose out on NIL deals? Does he because now he's a, a bad boy or a right, a delinquent in the in the like what sort of econ like I would love to see like an economic damages suit against the NCAA for the absurdity of this rule, especially now that money is so intertwined with college sports. Can you imagine if it found out that somewhere someone involved was involved in gambling on those games and you find, oh find out that the guy was kicked out for a PB and J sandwich, then your head is definitely scratching as to, okay, who, how much money did you have on the line for that game? Right. But also think about would this kid been ejected if it was Bronny James? I think right. you were going to say, let's... what would this kid have been suspended if it were a bologna sandwich? That's where I thought bologna, you were going with a that. Bologna sandwich. But no, think about like, look, this is Eastern East Carolina. Josh grows, right? This is probably the first time anyone nationally has mentioned his name. Not to dog on this guy, but probably an unknown pitcher to this point. You don't go to East Carolina because you're a number one draft pick. Nothing against East Carolina. And why was saying. this a prop? Why can't they? Why can't? Couldn't their defense be? Oh no, he's malnourished. He just hit a home right. run. He needs some he nourishment. I thought maybe you you would be hungry and eat right. the sandwich because clearly you could eat a peanut butter and jelly sandwich during a game. That that's not illegal. Right. So no. I wonder why that wasn't thought of. Hey, maybe we should right. offer our legal services. We definitely we we're in the wrong businesses. <laughs> All right. Well, our next crazy legal case or situation or story from this last week was uh, involving a Twitter. So, Chris, uh, they say confession is good for the soul. I am not Catholic, so I, I've never been to a <laughs> confessional booth. I would like to go one day and just at least walk in the confessional booth and just say, hey, I'm not Catholic. Can I still be in here and talking to uh, you? I have yes. no idea what would happen if I d did that. But there is a, a website out there on Twitter where it allows people to make confessions. It's called Fess Up, and apparently mm -hmm. it's so popular, there's an offshoot from that for lawyers yes. who are offering their confessions for certain things. It's kind of uh, gotten trending, I guess. And so, Chris, I want to read to you some of these, and I want you to tell me do you, if you think <laughs> these are real confessions or fake. No, we don't know the right. answer to that. But all we, we know don't. is someone went to this site, which is kind of deemed for confessions by lawyers or involving mm -hmm. legal matters, and they they made these confessions. All right, here you go. Here's the, fir the first confession. I am a lawyer working in probate. At one right. estate, I found nearly $100,000 in cash at the deceased house. I was on my own, so I pocketed the lot and took a year off work to travel. Only felt guilty when I realized he left his entire estate to charity. What do you think? True or false? Fact or fiction? Probably fact. I, I, you can see that happening. I could totally see that happening. If it's a solo practitioner, right? Like coming, look. Yeah, I could totally see that happening. I, I guess I don't see him confessing it. Like I like. This is another thing. Whatever rule it is for competency, the internet is not anonymous. <laughs> oh my! Right, God. there's enough people that could that could that could go back and check your v, check out where your 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 IP is at and tell exactly who you are. Right, right. Wasn't just this last week that Mark Cuban asked all of his followers, "Hey, just curious out there, um, just curious of a personal question. How many of you are illegally streaming this game?" Like, right. What you want people yeah. confess in a live setting? Right. That the FBI is watching and tracking. Right. Exactly. <laughs> like, I, I competent. You're not a competent lawyer if you're posting real confessions on Fesshole. All right. How about this one at here? Fesshole. 
He said he only felt guilty when he realized that he left his entire estate to charity. Right. I don't know. I would have been more bothered if I, if they left the estate to their daughter, who was a single mother with five kids. That might have made me feel a little bit more guilty than the United right. Way getting that money. But I maybe right. that's just me. Paraplegic son that needs round-the-clock care will not get it now because you took the $100,000. Right. Maybe more guilt if that were the situation right. than uh, some other organization. All right, how about this next one? I once dumped a perfectly nice girl because she sliced her toast vertically. Looked her up. She's now a rich lawyer. I am an idiot. So, Chris, let's just start here with... <laughs> You should slice your toast vertically. That is the correct way. If you don't slice it vertically, you should be dumped. So this guy was a complete idiot for dumping his girlfriend for slicing her toast the correct way. The fact that you have an opinion on this tells oh. me that you've thought about this way much longer. Do you know how I cut my sandwiches? I pick it up and I rip it apart. No. And here's one side and no. here's the other side. And I eat it. No. It all ends up in the same cake hole. Okay. No. Diagonal it, is the only right way. Chris, you no. can be disbarred. I'm just telling you. No, you know what I'm gonna do now from here uh, on out, Joel? Every time we go to eat, I'm gonna make sure they cut it like horizontally so you get like the top half of the bread together and the bottom half of the bread together. What you're gonna be doing just, now is just, preparing a response because I'm gonna file an ethics complaint against <laughs> you for incompetency. One point one point four. One point four competency. Oh my goodness. All right. Wait, like and I think that's fake, right? That is just <laughs> clickbait all over it. Okay. Right? One, there's no such thing as a super rich lawyer. Slow your roll, buddy. Okay, <laughs> slow it down. Unless you're on 16 billboards in 40 major cities, you're not a super rich lawyer. Okay. I don't. I don't get this next one. You're gonna have to maybe explain this to me. Yeah, I'll, yeah. I'll talk a little bit longer so you can actually can Google this one if you want. I am okay. a lawyer who deals in wills and probate. Apparently, the probate lawyers have a lot to confess. I, I never say bequeath, and always say bequeath. It gives mm -hmm. me so much joy while dealing with dead people's assets. What am I missing there? Is that like a bad word I shouldn't have just said? You pronounced it wrong, Joel. Okay. Um, and it would jump the rating of this <laughs> podcast out of family friendly and right. into um, into more adult um, circumstances. So we're going to put a pin in that and talk about it offline. There you go. Um, just know that the action being described is an embarrassing action um, that happens to the female of the species. There you go. There you go. I did not know that. Now I, I'm going to need to know basis. Apparently I'm not right. need to know that no. up to no, this no. point in my life. But now I probably will be Googling that and uh, whatever. All right. No, don't, no, no, no. Jo don't Google that. We'll talk. We'll just, All right. just, it's just better that way. It's there better not go. to have that in a search history. Just putting it out there. All right, how about this next one? I've been a practicing lawyer now for 12 years. I still don't really understand what beyond all reasonable <laughs> doubt actually means. True or fake? I, existentially, that's totally true. <laughs> like, existent, beyond all reasonable doubt, like, mm, I'm not there. Um, legally wise, yeah, we can understand it pretty simply. We know what beyond all reasonable doubt is. We're, we're, that's hammered into us in law school and in the practice of law. But existentially, I can see where they're coming from. I don't know what it means. Beyond all oh. reasonable doubt? Right. Right. You know what it means. Look at, look at Murdoch. Look at I Murdoch. Had... We, don't have a, we don't have a gun. We don't have anything really tying him to the murder, but do you believe he killed his wife and kid beyond yeah. all reasonable doubt? Absolutely. Yeah. Right. And, and Jeffrey so Epstein we, did not commit suicide. We all can exactly. agree that. Yeah. We it may be. It may be something like art. Right. We may not know how to define it, but we know it when we see it. There so. You go. All right. How about this next one here? When I've had a few drinks on my own, I watch Susan Boyle's BGT uh, audition on YouTube. Uh, Britain's Got Talent audition yep. on YouTube, and I always cry. Chris, have you seen Susan Boyle's? Yes. That was amazing. It's wasn't amazing. It? It was. Oh, it's amazing. Did you cry, Chris? You can confess right here. No I one's going to know. Of All course right. I did. No, I cry every time at Les Mis. First off, if you don't cry at Les Mis, like, you don't understand the plight and the revolution of the French people. You got to cry at Les Mis. It, it was a comedy. It, I laughed all the way through. I didn't see the right one. because you're a fascist. Because <laughs> right. you're on the side of, you're on the side of Javert. That is who you are. Wow. 
I have got to rewatch this. I've got to branch out from my Naked Gun uh, movie watching ways. <laughs> yeah, there you, you do. Go. All right. The whole caterpillar to a butterfly spectacle is just so moving. Yeah. I identify with her. I am a 52-year-old male city lawyer from a working class background. No, I, I don't think you really are identifying with her mm. if you are a male 52-year-old lawyer. I, no. I don't know. Is this real I or mean, fake? I, fake, 100% fake. Um, but I like I get what they're trying to compare here. Like the Susan Boyle Doyle, the Susan story is amazing, right? If for those of you who don't know, Google it. It happened like I don't know, 20 years ago, 15 years ago on, on Britain's Got Talent, where this um, you know older female who doesn't meet societal standards of what Baywatch attractive is like came out and belted out one of the best songs from Les Mis and became a, a internet phenomenon and a worldwide phenomenon. And it transformed her life from being a poor country English woman into, you know, popularity and whatnot. Okay. And so I can understand coming from, a, and as someone who came from a very um, lower socioeconomic, modest means household to becoming a lawyer, like I understand like that, that imposter syndrome where you're feeling like you don't belong in this caste system of lawyering, but that's a total fake tweet. It's 100% fake. How is that even a confession? That's like a humble yeah. brag. Right. That's not a confession. It, it, right. Go tell it to your therapist. <laughs> All right. All right. Last All right. one here, and this one probably would be more in the confession line. I have a one-year gap on my resume, which I feel with working for a marine conservation organization in Belize. Well, first of all, yes. good call on that one. That's a good... If you can have to come up with a fake way to explain a year mm -hmm. away, it's overseas, so people are probably not going to double-check it. Yeah, You're working for a nonprofit. No specific names there. It's all really good. Uh, but then this person said, I was actually stripping for the year to clear debts and build a house deposit. I'm a lawyer now. So what do you say? Stri stripper turned lawyer real or fake? Oh, totally real. I don't know if what? this specific story is real, but totally real. Absolutely. I know, and I'm not going to name names, but I know a fair amount of men and women that were strippers before they became lawyers. I, I almost want to ask yep. which one yep. paid better. Stripper. hundred <laughs> percent. You know why? Absolutely. You know why? How I'm, I'm often do ears. you spend, how often do you spend chasing a client to pay a bill? That does not exist in the stripping world. Okay. Money is right there. All right. So, all right. so you can make upwards of five, six, seven, eight, nine hundred dollars an hour stripping. Now, I'm very not little overhead. Very, very no little overhead. <laughs> very little, very little. But you're also not doing stripping 10, 12, 15 hours a day like you can do with lawyering, right? So, if you can compare apples to apples and compare the 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 per hour rate of strippers, I would say is higher than lawyers. I am um, actually, I do this thing, deal or no deal. I'm uh, one of my ethics classes that I, that I, I do for my CLEs. And I found mm -hmm. this story of an Iowa lawyer and she was an Iowa lawyer for three of the four weeks out of the month. But for the fourth week uh, of that month, she flies down to Vegas where she is a working prostitute. It's legal okay. there in Iowa. So yep. the local news found out about this, had her on the news channel. She said, yeah, that's what I do. I go down there to to um, right. uh, to Vegas once a month. Is, of course, in my mind, what I was most curious about was, well, which one do you charge the higher billable hour for? <laughs> Would it mm -hmm. be the, the, the Vegas services or your Iowa services? So she said how much money she made. I did the math, and she makes twice as much per hour in Vegas. And so apparently that pays better. I know the education is probably a little bit less. I don't know what kind of degrees uh -huh. you need to get into the line of work. I'm going to stop right now before I get myself in a lot of yeah. trouble. But that being said, I agree with you. This one is probably a real story. Yeah, probably, man. And look, sex work is work. Like, we need to quit forcing what our morality is on top of that. Like, if, if it pays and it contributes to the income and you're not hurting people, let it go. Let it go. Well, that I can't think of a better segue from what you just <laughs> said 
to the Supreme Court. And so also, I mean, also, ooh, I can make so many prostitution jokes about the Supreme Court right now. And it is just on point with your boy CT. Absolutely on point. My goodness. Well, we are going to talk about the Supreme Court because we are now entering Supreme Ooh, Court sweeps the season. It's during June when the Supreme Court is finishing up its terms. They, I think, they mm-hmm. last heard argument back in April or or or, um, or March. It's been a long time ago, so they've been working, trying to write their their opinions and do their research and maybe trying to figure out how to use Chat GPT to write some of these opinions. Ooh. I don't know if we're going to see that now, uh, but nonetheless, awesome. they. They, um, they're writing their opinions and deciding these cases. In the remember, it was just a year ago where we had one of these opinions that was leaked out to the yep. press, and the thought was, would yeah. one of the votes didn't change hands because until the opinion is actually released, it's not yep. actually decided. Well, now here in June, they're going to start deciding these cases. So what I wanted yep. to do for the the remaining time we have here during the wacky legal cases segment yeah, yeah. of our podcast is just kind of give our listeners a preview of some of the cases that might be jumping out. And so before we get there, let me just tell you one case that was decided in this last week. It's a very interesting case, Tyler v. Hennepin County. Did you follow this case? A little bit, yeah, but I think you're right. It is one of the most interesting ones that have come out. I've loved this case. Geraldine Tyler owned a condominium in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Uh, This condominium was worth about $40,000. Now, you need to understand something about uh, Geraldine. She more is is more affectionately known as Grandma Geraldine. Yeah. She is a grandmother, I think, over ninety years of age. Something I don't like that. I yeah, have to hear my notes, but she is an elderly woman, and she owed fifteen thousand dollars in back taxes. And so, for whatever reason, she cannot pay the back taxes. So the county took over her property. They sold it. Now, Chris. I know you are pretty good at math. Uh, and so mm-hmm. if you if your property was worth forty thousand dollars in and say it sold okay. for forty thousand dollars, you owed fifteen, what should you do with the remaining twenty-five thousand dollars? Give it to the person who owned the property. Right. It's, That's it's, weird, it, right? Wouldn't That's it be weird. considered theft if you didn't, if you just kept the extra money? It's like if you owed me $15 and you gave mm-hmm. me 40 and I said, thanks, see you right. later. It's like, no. So let's say I go into, I don't know, Target and I buy an item for 50 bucks and I hand the Target cashier a hundred dollars or three twenties. Right. And they say, thanks, bye. I am <laughs> not leaving Target a tip. You no. owe me back the remainder of the money. This isn't even a close call. And I'm happy to report from the United States Supreme Court. They agreed <laughs> nine to zero that yes, uh, uh Hennepin County, you messed up. You owed her that money. This is an unconstitutional taking under the fifth amendment. It says that, uh, a state cannot, uh, take your property without just compensation. I don't see how this is not a clear example of a, of a taking of your property without giving you just compensation. And the Supreme Court said, well, pretty much just that. Yeah, they took your property and did not give you just compensation. And so uh, that was, again, they started off strong with that case. I, I also wonder, and this is my brain, right? If it's sold for 40K, right? And she gets 25K back, why doesn't she just go, you know, now 20 25k back with uh penalties and interest and all sorts of stuff um man go buy a new house go buy a new condo i'm i'm thinking that the values of condos have probably gone up since this was action was done i don't know the but yeah Maybe. hopefully she can do that go um do but nonetheless the supreme court started off a pretty strong so a couple of cases yep. here to look Nine forward out. to coming uh down the pipe here we have biden v nebraska um, which is the student loan case. And so yep. um, remember the um, Biden passed this uh, or issued some kind of order, say we're going to forgive a student loan to the tune of $10,000, $20,000 if you had a Pell Grant. And so yep. a, a couple lawsuits were filed saying, no, that's, you didn't have authority to do that. Mm-hmm. That case is now before the United States, United States the Supreme Court. So, hey, listeners, this might be worth anywhere between 10 
and $40,000 for you, depending upon how many student loans you had, what kind of student loans you had, and whether or not you are married. And so, well, we're going to find out how the court is going to rule on that one over the next 30 days. Uh, right. Any thoughts on the student loan case? Gosh, yeah. Well, I mean, also student loan stuff's on the table, too, for the debt ceiling, which we talked about earlier. So we'll see what that looks like. But also... From my understanding, and I could be absolutely wrong on this one, so I can take that in the mouth if I am wrong, um, a lot of places that the Biden administration said the student loans are forgiven have forgiven the places, and the people that have paid off their loans have gotten that refund back. It's going to be a, a hell of a trip to collect that money back if the Supreme Court rules in the way that both of us think it will in saying that Biden can't do the student loan forgiveness. That will now be there's already hundreds of hundreds of millions of dollars of loan forgiveness that's already been returned. How do you get that money back? That is a very and, interesting question. And is this the workaround? And if they right? don't because give nobody, it back. Nobody wants to go into the 2024 election being the guy that took the money back from the student loans. And so you could say, well, unfortunately, the money's been dispersed because of the debt ceiling negotiations. We no longer have the IRS agents or the funds available to research and find this money. So for those who got it, lucky you. For those who didn't get it, uh, sorry. But we all kind of get to punt it to the Supreme Court saying, hey, they made that decision. We just don't have the money to, to do anything about it. Also coming down the pipe, we have a couple of cases involving affirmative action uh, at colleges and mm -hmm. universities. And this is a different spin on affirmative action because here we have some policies that discriminate against Asian Americans. And the thought there is, is that okay in the name of promoting other kinds of racial diversity? Can we discriminate against another type of, of race? And so those, we have a couple of cases there, Students for Fair Admission v. President and Fellows of Harvard College. And then also one involving North Carolina, two affirmative action cases before the United States Supreme Court. Then you have a couple of voting rights cases entry. You have Merrill v. Milligan, and then you also have Moore v. Harper. Both mm -hmm. deal with gerrymandering. One of them deals with a straight-up gerrymandering case. Can the state legislature do that? And can the state Supreme Court tell the state legislature how you have to draw your maps? And then the other case, the Merrill case, involves the Voting Rights Act, the Section 2, and racial discrimination. Any thoughts on our uh, the, the, the political gerrymandering cases? I think, I think that's going to be the heated cases of this uh, cycle, right? We in cycles, we always have the heated cases. Obviously, last time it was Dobbs, right? There was a lot of heat around Dobbs. I think Moore and Merrill are going to be the big heavy hitters of this Supreme Court, and I think they're going to be the ones that are absolutely released at the very end um, as the Supreme Court justices are slipping out the door because they're going to catch a lot of heat for them because I, I, I think that this current makeup of the Supreme Court has a fundamental failure in understanding how gerrymandering and racism in voting laws actually work and so i think there's going to be a lot of outrage coming out of these cases all right that's your first hot take from today's podcast yep. you are predicting the affirmative action cases to come out after our june the 26th cle all right oh yeah uh creative llc the elena's this one deals with this website it's it's a not a non-profit website it's just a website that's owned by a a, a person a Lori smith and she is a christian and wants to do her website consistent with her religious beliefs and so this is running against the colorado anti-discrimination law that prohibits mm -hmm. discrimination based upon sexual orientation and the issue is does this lady, uh, Lori Smith, in her business practices of designing websites and in advertising her business, can she only do websites for weddings that are consistent with her religious beliefs and or can the state force her to also do websites for weddings that she that would that runs afoul with her religious beliefs? So any thoughts on the Elaine, the creative case, the Elanis? I didn't the Supreme Court take this up with cake baking? No, slightly like, different. Please. You hit me with how it's slight yeah, hit yes. me with how it's slightly the different. The cake the masterpiece cake shop, the Supreme Court took yep. the easy out because they could have addressed this issue square on, but they in the right. masterpiece cake shop case, what you had in the record was one of the commissioners said 
that the mass Jack Phillips religious beliefs were akin to Hitler and and these are the same forces mm. that brought Nazism and that brought slavery to America. And so, yeah, basically there was a lot of hostility against this person from the adjudicators. And so the court said, no, look, you targeted Jack Phillips. The, when I say you, the Supreme Court said that this Colorado yeah. anti-discrimination provision targeted Jack Phillips was very hostile towards his religious beliefs. And this was right. intentional discrimination. Here you don't have that. You don't have those same kind of where you have one commissioner who opened up his mouth and compared right. the person to Hitler. That was a horrible, you're not going to win that, right. that case. Here they did not compare Lori Smith to Hitler. And so nope. this is just a straight up, is this causing her to, to engage in speech with which she disagrees? And so uh, if, if, and that's how I think this case is going to come down. The court's going to have to say, is this free speech? Is designing a website, does it require uh -huh. you to engage in free speech? If it does, I think the court's going to say, no, you cannot enforce this anti-discrimination law against you in, in such a way to compel you to speak in a way that you disagree. If it does not involve speech, like let's say you're at McDonald's and you buy a hamburger, no, you cannot discriminate against someone even if you disagree with their religious beliefs. That's how I see this right. case is going to come down. Yeah. I, it's hard because I think the, the anti-discrimination case, the anti-discrimination law is fair in it, in, in its application and its dealing. Um, I think there's a bigger issue that has been going on in America for a very long time that we won't address because it takes too long of cherry picking cases specifically to take them to the Supreme court. So that way you can have your, legislative activism be put in front of the Supreme court for them to decide in your way because you couldn't win in the legislature. So you went at the courts, which everyone has done since the beginning of time. I'm not saying that this is just a, a, a conservative or a liberal thing. Um, but I think that this court is going to come down on the part of um, Lori because that's just the slant of this court. I, I'm not going to agree with their reasoning because I disagree with their 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 stance on this to begin with, but I think they're going to come down on, on Lori's side. All right, one other case I want to throw by you, and I skipped a lot of cases, but one other yeah, yeah. case that really has caught my attention is Jack Daniels Properties, oh, the yes. VIP products. So what happened this. here is I assume we all know what Jack Daniels is. They sell mm -hmm. whiskey, uh, and, and so... Uh, you might be thinking of old number seven and uh, Tennessee yep. sour mash whiskey, which is on their label. Well, yeah. there is a dog toy company out there and, and they produce, you know, knockoffs, some satire right. off of these products. And so instead of Jack Daniels, they have a dog toy that looks like a bottle, but it's called yep. bad spaniels. If you've That's ever had awesome a cocker spaniel, you know that that is true. They are very awesome bad. Punnage. Yeah, and instead of old number seven, it says, and instead of old number seven and Tennessee sour mash whiskey, it says the old number two on your Tennessee carpet. There Which, you yeah, go. If you've ever had a cocker spaniel, you know exactly that's the problem with those dogs. And so, nonetheless, uh, is you is this kind of use of the Jack Daniels imagery to create some kind of satire, some kind of funny spinoff? Does that violate Jack Daniels' uh, copyright and trademark rights? Maybe. Maybe yes, maybe no. Maybe satire isn't, you know, isn't isn't that. But I think they have, obviously, they have a strong enough case to make it to the Supreme Court. I think that's going to be the feel-good case of the year, right? I think they're going to, I think that's going to be the 9-0 in favor of the dog toy. Like, they're going to bring their day. dogs to work. That's going to be a bring that's your right. dogs to work day. Yep. Keegan's going to have her Cocker Spaniel right there on her lap during the, the whole announcement. She's just going to be petting, you know, old Bessie. And it's going to be beautiful. I love it. That, that's going to be, you know what? When we announce that, we will have to bring our dogs to this podcast. Oh, 100%. Daisy will be here that. for this. All right. You named your pit bull Daisy. First off, it was we, fluffy, not adopted, available. we adopted our pit bull from a rescue in Los Angeles. And her name was already Daisy when we adopted her. And so we kept the name because Daisy responded to her name. And it made it for a smoother transition. And I will fight anybody who wants to come and take on my dog. I am a peaceful man. But do not underestimate the violence I will exercise if you come out. Like John Wick level 
violence I will exercise if you come at my dog. Yeah, well, you know what? I will gladly match my dog for your dog, mono o mono. I have mm-hmm. a a Shih Tzu, and uh, <laughs> he, is, he is fierce, man. I am telling you what, he actually had a Attila. bone. Yeah, he actually got into the. I, I, I smoked some ribs the other day. Had some ribs in the the trash, and the dogs got into the trash. And he had the rib bone out there, and he's gnawing on the rib bone. So I had to take it from him, and he's like growling at me as I take the rib bone. It's like, oh no, Carmel, don't gum me to death. I, I don't want to fill your. Gu-. It's like, no, dude, you're not gonna hurt me. But Carmel. Yeah, great dog. Hey, we are out of time, so we don't have time to jump into the NBA. We'll have to save that for next week, because I do know we are both excited about this NBA uh, championship series. The the, um, Denver Nuggets versus the the Miami Heat. But before we leave for this podcast, do you want to make a prediction for how this next week in the NBA Finals is going to go? Nuggets in five. Wow, you you heard it from us first. Actually, you heard it from Chris first. I'm not going to do that. Nuggets in five. All right, I'll, I'll go Nuggets in um, six. <laughs> All right. <laughs> yeah, I, th- I think you're right on that one. Nuggets in five, man. I want to say five. four. I want to say four. You just can't no. go for a sweep. And since you, you spoke first, I can't do Nuggets in five, so I had to go Nuggets in six. Right. Well, watch, watch it be Nuggets in seven, and that would be a great, great NBA Finals. I'm rooting for that. I'm rooting for um, uh, Christian Braun. The the yeah. the Nuggets star player. Okay, he's yep. running the bench, but he's from KU. Whatever. This is going to be his coming out Nailing party. It. He's going to nail right. a game winning three. I just know it. And Feeling then I'll wake, that. I'll wake up in the morning from my dream. All right, have a great right, week, Joel. Chris, and we'll see you next week. We'll see you next week, buddy. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. If you enjoyed this podcast, please give us a five-star review. We need your love to help us continue highlighting the funnier side of the law. I want to give a special shout-out to our Vice President of Operations, Wendy Oster, without whom this entire operation would be a complete and utter mess. Sean Wynn and 15.5 Features for making me sound way better than I actually do. Brooke Bolin for our marketing efforts. And Ryan Kuhn and Paul Kuhn of Tri. Plus City Marketing for our technical and computer support.